0: My brothers, my sisters, I love you and I am so incredibly thankful for you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for participating in our worship. You are a blessing to everyone here. So thank you for being here or for participating online. This year we're, we're doing a, a theme, a series throughout the whole year, Reflect and Renew. In fact, if you didn't get a chance a few weeks ago when we took the spiritual self-evaluation, you can still find that on our website. It's ccmcdermott.org slash evaluation. You might want to write that down if you need to go and and take that for the first time or maybe take that again. Uh, But I would encourage all of us this year to be evaluating ourselves. But with that said, I felt like I needed to stick a, a series in this year where we talk about our tendency when we evaluate ourselves to evaluate ourselves by comparison. That's what we tend to do, isn't it? If somebody asks you, how are you doing? If somebody asks you, how are you doing? No, no matter what, what doing they're talking about, if they say, how are you doing spiritually? Then you, you sometimes struggle to find a way to even begin to evaluate yourself except by Comparison, right? You think, well, compared to that slob, I'm doing pretty great, right? Or, or compared to her, I, I don't think I'm, I'm doing too well. We, we evaluate all kinds of things by comparison. We live in incredibly comparative and competitive culture, don't we? Maybe that's because we tend to think of ourselves as consumers. And we have this tendency to evaluate everything by comparison. We evaluate ourselves by comparison, but we even evaluate other people and other things by comparison. I mean, chances are, maybe not this morning, but but chances are, at one time or another, you've evaluated this church. Maybe you're evaluating it right now, and you're evaluating it maybe... By comparison, comparing it to other churches you've been to. Maybe this morning in the singing, you're comparing one song to another song, or comparing this morning's singing to last week's singing. Or or maybe you're, you're comparing my sermon to other sermons or other preachers that you've heard. We we have this tendency to to compare all kinds of things, don't we? But I want us to even evaluate our tendency to do that, to think about the comparisons that we're making, because we are using some sort of metric when we make a comparison, but we're often unclear about the metric we're using. That's the next slide. We are using some sort of metric when we make a comparison, but we're often unclear about the metric that we're using. Isn't that right? We're we're evaluating by some sort of standard of measure, and sometimes we say, he's taller than I am, or she's faster than I am, or he did better on that test than I did, then we're we're really clear about the metric that we're using to evaluate the difference between one thing or the other. But oftentimes, we're really unclear about what standard are you using here when you say, that is better than that. This is my favorite Whatever, Or I'm better than they are, or they are better than I am, or I am worse than they are. What what do you mean by that? What standard of measure are you using to compare yourself to them? What standard of measure are you using when you say that they are better than you or you are better than them? I want us to think about this very soberly. Because when we make these sorts of comparisons, not only are our comparisons very subjective, they can also be very destructive. Depending on the metric that we're using to evaluate ourselves and others, it can be very destructive. Even think about this phrase that we use a lot, blessed, I'm blessed. I'm blessed and I hope you feel that you are blessed but we all often say that comparatively don't we we often even encourage each other to think of themselves as blessed comparatively we say well look around at everybody else and you'll see how blessed you are wait a second What do you mean by that? What metric are you using to evaluate the fact that you are more blessed than they are? We say that individually. We also say that collectively, don't we? We say that a lot. We say things like, when I think about people in other parts of the world, I realize how blessed we are. Wait a second. What do you you mean by that? What metric are you using? What, how, how are you evaluating whether you are more blessed than someone else is? Here's the question. When we speak of being comparatively blessed, by what metric are we measuring blessedness? Think about that. When you speak of being comparatively blessed, anytime you say, well, when I met so-and-so or I saw how so-and-so lives... Or, or when, I, when I visited this place or that place, I realized how blessed I am? You're comparing your blessedness to their blessedness, and you're saying, I'm more blessed than they are. But by what standard? What, what metric are you using to evaluate the fact that you are more blessed than they are? And again, sometimes we even encourage one another to practice this, don't we? We say, well, look at so-and-so, and look at how their life is, and then you'll realize how blessed you are. Again, the metric that we're using, the standard that we're using, the way we're evaluating and measuring our blessedness can, one, be very subjective, but two, be very destructive. We have to be very careful with this. In fact, we're not all that different than the people in the first century. The people in the first century in Jesus' day had a tendency to evaluate their blessedness or someone else's blessedness by a very similar standard that I think we tend to use as well. But Jesus comes along and he turns that standard on its head. He gives us a brand new metric by which to measure our blessedness and it's going to shock you. It's going to shock Even if you've read it a thousand times, I continue to read the Beatitudes and be shocked by them. They're scandalous. To listen to what Jesus says. In fact, one way we can think about the Beatitudes, you know, when Jesus says, blessed are you, when we hear that blessed are you, sometimes I encourage you to think of it as congratulatory, uh, as if Jesus is saying, congratulations to those who are whatever, but another way we can think about it is consider yourself blessed if. The Beatitudes are consider yourself blessed if. So as we go through these Beatitudes, I want us to think about it that way. Consider yourself blessed if. Is this how you consider yourself blessed? Is this when you consider yourself blessed? And I almost guarantee you that many of us will want to argue with Jesus, I I know I kind of do. I know I kind of do. Jesus, you can't be be serious when you say that. Consider yourself blessed in this situation. Listen to what he says. Luke chapter 6, verse 20. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you. Consider yourself blessed if blessed are you who are what, church? Poor? For yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are, what, hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who, what, weep now, for you shall laugh. Consider yourself blessed if you are poor. Consider yourself blessed if you are hungry. Consider yourself blessed if you weep. Now, I know we want to sort of compare this to Matthew's account because Matthew's account kind of spiritualized it a little bit. Consider yourself blessed if you are poor in spirit. But but Luke's account, there's none of that. And so we have to sit with this. Those two accounts aren't in contradiction with one another, and we'll get to that later, but sit with this for a second. Be scandalized by this for a second. Consider yourself blessed if you're poor. Consider yourself blessed if you're hungry right now. Consider yourself blessed if you weep right now. Why? Why, Jesus? Consider myself blessed if I'm poor? Consider myself blessed if I'm hungry? Consider myself blessed if I'm hurting and I'm weeping and I'm sorrowful and I'm suffering? Why would I consider myself blessed in those situations? He says, because you have the kingdom of God. Consider yourself blessed if you're poor because you have the kingdom of God. Consider yourself blessed if you're hungry because you're promised satisfaction. You will be satisfied. Consider yourself blessed if you weep because you have the promise of eternal joy. You will laugh. But, but even there, we kind of want to argue with Jesus, don't we? And say, well, hold on a second. Well, what about us that aren't poor? What, what about us that, that aren't hungry? What about us that aren't weeping? I, I feel pretty good. I have quite a bit of money. I, I'm laughing. I'm full. I, I'm kind of satisfied. What about us? Are you, are you saying that we can't have the kingdom of God? Are you saying that rich people can't have the kingdom of God? Are you saying that that full people can't can't be satisfied by God? Are you saying that that if I'm enjoying life right now and not weeping, that I'm not going to, to have that eternal joy? And I think Jesus would say, no. No, I'm not saying that you can't have the kingdom of God unless you're poor, but it helps. But it helps. It helps if you're poor, it helps if you're hungry. It helps if you're weeping. In fact, Jesus would say it this way in Luke chapter 18. He said, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. It's incredibly difficult. If you don't know hunger, if you don't know poverty, if you don't know sorrow, it is incredibly difficult for you to even see the kingdom of God, much less enter it. It is nearly impossible for rich people and full people and laughing people and comfortable people to find and enter the kingdom of God. Now again, if if we know poverty and we know hunger and we know sorrow, this, this feels like really good news, doesn't it? But if we're rich and we're full and we're comfortable and we're happy, this seems kind of scandalous, doesn't it? But but don't miss the fact that Jesus is turning the measurement by which we tend to measure blessedness on its head. And that was true in the first century, and it's true today. Because don't you know that the people in the first century did the same thing that we do? If you're rich, you say, oh, I'm so blessed. I am so blessed to have all this money. I am so blessed to be so full. I'm so blessed to be so comfortable. I'm so blessed to be so happy. "And Jesus says, "Ah-uh-uh, ah, ah. no. Actually, consider yourself blessed if you're poor. Consider yourself blessed if you're hungry. Consider yourself blessed if you're weeping. Because it's you. It's you who know poverty. It's you who know hunger. It's you who know sorrow that can see what you need to see and appreciate what you need to appreciate. He goes on. It gets even more difficult. Verse 22, Blessed are you. Consider yourself blessed if. Blessed are you when people, what? Hate you. And when they, what? Exclude you and revile you. That means beat you up with their words and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. There is a great treasure being stored up for you in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. Consider yourself blessed when you're poor. Consider yourself blessed when you're hungry. Consider yourself blessed... If you're sorrowful, consider yourself blessed when people hate you, when people exclude you, when people revile you, when people spurn your name as evil. Nobody thinks like that, do they? People in the first century thought the same way that people today do. If you're famous and everybody loves you and people (laughs) applaud when you come down the street, you think, wow, those people are blessed. I'm so blessed to have people like me. I'm so blessed to be famous. I'm so blessed to be well-liked. Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh, hold on. No. No, that's not the way we measure blessedness in the kingdom. That's not the way we measure blessedness in the kingdom. We don't measure blessedness by dollars and cents. We don't measure blessedness according to the weight of the food that you have. We don't measure blessedness according to how much applause you get. In fact, he turns everything upside down and he says, consider yourself blessed when you're hated, when you're excluded, when you're reviled, when people spurn your name as evil. He says, rejoice and leap for joy. I mean, again, we want to argue with Jesus, don't we? We want to say, that's that's not how you measure blessedness. Jesus says it is in the kingdom. Why? Why? What is it that poor people and hungry people and weeping people and persecuted people have in common? They are desperate for someone to rescue them. They are desperate for God. Their awareness of their need and dependence on God is heightened because of their situation. They are poor in spirit because they are poor in pocketbook. They realize, I desperately need God. They they can't pull themselves up by their bootstraps. They don't even have boots, much less bootstraps. These are people who realize and recognize and are aware of the fact that they desperately need God. And they cry out to God like the psalmist saying rescue me deliver me save me you are my only hope and those are the kind of people that jesus is talking to saying stop stop thinking that the rich and the famous and the powerful and the popular and the well-liked people are the blessed ones they're not the blessed ones blessed are you who are poor Consider yourself blessed if you're poor. Consider yourself blessed if you're hungry. Consider yourself blessed if you're sorrowful. Consider yourself blessed if you're persecuted. Because you see what you need to see. You're desperate for the help of God. You hunger and thirst, not just for food, but you hunger and thirst for righteousness, for God's justice. You desperately need Him to show up and to save you and deliver you. And Jesus says, That's why the kingdom belongs to you. That's why these promises belong to you. You're hungry right now, but you won't be hungry very long. You're sorrowful right now, but you won't be sorrowful forever. You're poor right now, but you won't be poor forever. This is only going to last a moment. So consider yourself blessed if your situation has heightened your awareness of your need and total dependence on God. Look at verse 24. Again, it just keeps getting harder, but he says, But woe to you. Woe to you who are rich, for you've received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets if Jesus is saying with the beatitudes, blessed are you when, blessed are you if, blessed are you poor, then He's saying the opposite to the rich, isn't He? Don't consider yourself blessed just because you're rich. Don't consider yourself blessed just because you're full. Don't consider yourself blessed just because you're comfortable. Don't consider yourself blessed just because you're having a good time. Don't consider yourself blessed just because people like you and speak well of you. Because all of those things are going to be gone in a moment. You're full now. You have money now. But all these things are just momentary. As I was driving here this morning, maybe you had the same experience. As I was driving here this morning, I looked out and there was a field full of fog. You know, it was right on the ground. And I thought to myself, if I ran out there and I grabbed a handful of fog and I had that fog in my hands... How, how blessed would I be to have a handful of fog, right? And I grabbed all that fog up, and I said, oh, oh, oh look at me. I am so blessed. I got, I got two handfuls of fog. What's going to happen to that fog? It's gone. It's just, it's just a vapor. And that's exactly what we do with earthly wealth. I am so blessed because I got all that. Jesus says, that's going to last for a second. That's what the whole book of Ecclesiastes is about. All this stuff, all these ways that you're measuring how blessed your life is, it's going to be gone like that. And when you put your hope in that, when you anchor your life to that, when you measure your blessedness by that, you are measuring your blessedness by something that only lasts for a moment. Is Jesus saying it's a sin to be rich? Of course not. He's not saying it's a sin to be rich. But he's warning us about something that was just as true then as it is today, that temporary comfort can blind us to permanent realities. Think about that for a second. Temporary comfort has this tendency to blind us to permanent realities. And the more rich we are, the more full we are, the more comfortable we are, the more popular we are, the more famous we are, the harder it is to see the permanent realities. There is an incredible danger, an incredible danger in being comfortable. But yet we, we tend to adopt a worldly metric by which we measure blessedness. And we say, I am so blessed to be comfortable. Jesus says, stop. That's the way the world measures blessedness. I am so blessed that people like me. I'm so blessed that people don't say bad things about me. I'm so blessed that I'm not persecuted. Jesus says, no, that's not the way to think about things because there is a real danger that when you get rich and comfortable and full and satisfied, that you will not even be able to see your desperate need for God. When you are poor, when you're hurting, that's when you tend to see the permanent realities. So, rather than asking, rather than asking, am I blessed with more wealth or possessions and freedoms than others? Jesus teaches us to ask, am I blessed with enough poverty and hunger and persecution, and sadness, that I realize my need for God. Doesn't that turn everything on its head? Jesus teaches us a whole new way to measure blessedness. A whole new way to consider ourselves blessed. Now, this has nothing to do with comparison. This has nothing to do with comparison. It's not about looking at my life and saying, Well, I'm more blessed than you are, or Oh, I feel so blessed because I look at your life compared to mine. No, this has nothing to do with comparison. We're simply asking ourselves Have I been blessed with enough poverty and hunger and persecution and sadness that I realize my need for God? To put it another way, truly blessed people are those whose circumstances have made them aware of their need for God. That's what it is to be truly blessed. For us to become aware of our desperate need for God. And so, if you've had, if you've had sorrow that has revealed to you your desperate need for God, consider yourself blessed. If you have have had poverty that has revealed to you your desperate need for God, consider yourself blessed. If you've been rejected by people, if you've been hated by people, if you've been reviled by people because you're a follower of Jesus, consider yourself blessed because you are aware of your desperate need for Him. And the more aware you are of your need for him, the more blessed you are. So what do we do with this information? If this is true, if poor people and hungry people and sad people and persecuted people should consider themselves blessed, what do we do with this information? I think part of it is stop comparing ourselves to one another. Stop comparing ourselves to one another. And stop measuring our blessedness according to dollars and cents. You cannot measure how blessed you are by how much money you have in the bank. You cannot measure how blessed you are by how comfortable you are or how well people treat you. That's not how we in the kingdom of God measure blessedness. And stop looking down on other people who have less than you and considering them to be less blessed than you are. And stop looking up at people who have more money than you, who have more food than you, who have a more comfortable life than you and considering them to be more blessed than you are. This is what materialism is. Materialism could be defined as counting or considering or measuring our blessedness according to material goods. That's not how we measure blessedness. We measure blessedness according to our relationship to God. And when you recognize your desperate need for Him, and He says, to you belongs the kingdom, to you belongs eternal joy, To you belongs the face of God. To you belong the title sons and daughters of God. That's, that's how you measure blessedness. So maybe you're here this morning and you're hurting and you're sorrowful and you recognize how desperately you need God's help. Consider yourself blessed. We, we come together as brothers and sisters. We share what we have with one another. Not looking up at each other because somebody has more than we do or looking down at someone else because they have less than us. But we come here and gather together because we all recognize our desperate need for Him. Don't we? And so if you've been blessed with enough poverty, with enough hunger, with enough sorrow, with enough hurting, with enough persecution that you recognize your desperate dependence on God, consider yourself blessed. Because Jesus didn't come as a physician to heal the people who were already well. He came for those that knew that they were sick. So if you're filled with sorrow, and you're filled with guilt, and you're filled with shame, consider yourself blessed. Because Jesus came to bless and help and heal people just like you. So let's share our burdens. Maybe there's somebody here this morning and you're ready to receive what Jesus has to give. And you come in complete poverty of spirit, saying, I have nothing. I am nothing. I'm broken, and I need to be fixed. I'm sick, and I need to be healed. I'm guilty, and I need to be pardoned then Jesus came for people just like you. And perhaps it's time for you to be baptized into Jesus and receive what he has to give. Or maybe we can just share your burden and pray for you and encourage you. Your brothers and sisters, we're here for you. The shepherds would love to meet with you in the prayer room where you can come forward now. As together we stand and sing this song.